Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the ways that lead to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, our children are invited to Children's Chapel in the back with Mr. Alex. A reading from the book of Acts. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, 
he died. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. We can read responsibly by the half verse. To you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Incline your ear to me. Make haste to deliver me. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe, for you are my crag and stronghold. For the sake of your name, leave me and guide me. Take me out of the net they have secretly set for me, for you are my tower of strength. Into your hands I commend my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, O God, for truth. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine to shine upon your servant. And into your loving kindness save me. A reading from 1 Peter. <clears throat> like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. <clears throat> to you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, <clears throat> and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. According to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus told his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you this, all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does these works. Believe me that I am in the Father 
and the Father is in me. But if you do not, believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Please be seated. Well, I missed you last week, but uh, just a reminder, we have seven weeks to think about not just the resurrection event as a reality in the life of Jesus, but an invitation for us not only to perceive what faith might be like, but to pattern our lives after him. The last two weeks, last week and now this week, Uh, The writers of the lectionary are asking us to go back before Holy Week to read the scriptures again, but with resurrection in front of our eyes. They want us to update our read of the story in light of the resurrection. So uh, this is what I want to offer to you. And there's a couple of uh, thoughts that come to me this week, particularly at the end of the phrase. Do you notice this line? Whatever you ask for in my name, my father will give you. Now, I have to say, I've been a part of faith traditions that took that so literally, we forgot to think about what it means to pattern our lives after that. So what we would do is we would use the name Jesus like it was a magic word, and we would pray like this. Lord Jesus, we are driving Jesus to Galveston, and Lord, there is traffic on the road. Jesus, keep us safe. Just keep us safe, Jesus. We ask you this in your name. See, the more we said Jesus, the more we were going to get what we wanted. (laughs) That said, I mean, it was like punctuation, Mark. I don't think that's what the Lord had in mind. I just want to be really, really clear. And sometimes what we forget is that in the Hebrew Bible and in the world of the New Testament as well, when you hear about the name of somebody, that's the totality of their being. So the invitation is not to name drop Jesus in prayer to get what you want. It's to approach God through the way of Jesus. Somehow we also forgot when I was a kid, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way? Jesus doesn't say, I'm the end of faith. He doesn't say, I'm the end. He says, I'm the way. So it was really important to us in the church I grew up in that we prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus in our heart. And to be honest, more often than not, it was like, well, once you've done that, that's it. (laughs) That's the end of faith. Jesus is not inviting us to end our faith. He's inviting us to walk the way with him, to walk with truth and with new resurrected life. The sinner's prayer was a milestone in my faith journey, but it didn't the end. We need to keep this in mind. We're not done. We're invited to walk the way. And the truth is, I don't know where Jesus is going. You notice, Thomas doesn't know either. You don't need to know where he's taking you. You need to know how to walk the way. (laughs) That's our invitation into resurrected life. How do we walk the way? Now, this particular scripture, I'll tell you, is the one that shows up probably 
90% of the funerals I do. In my father's house, there are many rooms, many dwelling places, many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you. And if you've been to a funeral with me, you maybe have heard me say, and I think this is really important, this is part of the way of faith. Truth is, in my house, rooms are real small. <laughs> and uh, hey, I may, I don't know if you're like me, like this, sometimes I really like somebody, and then I found out they voted a particular way, and I don't have room for them anymore. And that isn't how God's house is. <laughs> God's house is room for all of you. There's room for your politics. There's room for your wacky sense of humor. There's room for your own spiritual way of walking, which frankly might be very different from my own. This is part of the resurrected life that we make increasingly more room for one another. You've maybe heard me say this before, but I think it bears repeating this week. If any of you knew J.B. Fox, well, the guy used profanity like punctuation marks. In fact, many days I'd say, hey, JB, good morning. And he'd look at me and he'd say, hell. <laughs> I mean, I guess when you're 98, you can say what you want. Um, the truth is, God makes room for even our grumpiness. And if I'm really honest, the thing I missed most about JB was his gratuitous use of profanity, because that's exactly who the man was. And God did not need to whitewash that. God can make room for that. God is able to make room, whether, frankly, it's a funeral or a Thanksgiving meal with somebody you'd rather not eat with. God can make room for our quirks. God can make room for your doubts. God can make room, frankly, for your anger. We're invited to pattern the rooms we live in after the mansions God is building and increasingly make room for one another. And if you're like me, sometimes the hardest person to make room for is yourself. God doesn't need you to clean up to make room for you. God doesn't need that. And we're invited to pattern our lives in those ways. We get this lovely uh, thought about making room, and I do want to, I want to jump forward, and I'm going to come back for a second. If you've read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, he talks about how often we have a tunnel vision, and we often confuse being righteous with being right. And this is part of our Protestant heritage, honestly, is we get real concerned about whether or not we got it right. And if you don't got it right, there's no room for you in God's house. And what C.S. Lewis says with this passage is he says, look, Consider that with, if you're Lutheran, there's a room for you. <laughs> and if you're Roman Catholic, there's a room for you. And if you're Baptist, there's room for you. It'd be really great if we'd get out of our rooms a little bit and share meals together. But C.S. Lewis encourages us, look, we live in the same house of God, even if we live in different rooms. Important to start there with an acknowledgement. And then it's important that we leave our rooms and enjoy one another. I want to take C.S. Lewis even further than he took himself. If you're Muslim, God's got room for you. If you're Jewish, God's got room for you. You're going to hear it in a few moments. It's a beautiful part of the oldest Eucharistic prayer in the prayer book. For those whose faith is known to you alone, God's got room for them. You might call those people atheists. 
God knows their faith. And God makes room for them. Boy, that's a holy invitation about how to pattern our lives, isn't it? I find it really darn difficult. I want to make it a little bit harder, if you don't mind. Uh, Because we show up a couple of titles this week. Son of Man. This is what Stephen says before we stoned. I see the Son of Man. I don't know if y'all realize this. Jesus never says he's the Son of God. Not once. No, the reason for that is because the emperors Tiberius, the emperor Augustus, the emperor Julius, they said they were sons of God. They were sons of God. And they were to be worshipped in temples. The genius of the emperor was to be sacrificed to. I'm not saying Jesus isn't God's son. What I'm saying is Jesus refers to himself exclusively as the Son of Man. Now, I read a book about this recently that was really helpful. It's written by a scholar called Geza Vermes. It's got a weird title called Jesus the Jew. I was uh, taking it out in public, and my wife was like, you really should like, put that in a bag or something. I don't know if you want people to see that. Uh, but what he does is he tracks these two titles. And again, in contrast to the emperor's claims that they are above everybody else. See, when they said they're son of God, what they were also saying is, y'all aren't. Jesus says, I'm a kid of a human being. I'm a kid of a human being. It's uh, what Vermes calls a circumlocution that probably existed in the Galilee region in which Jesus was referring to himself. But I would invite you to consider taking it a little bit seriously to say that Jesus said God is fully present precisely in our humanity. When Jesus says to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I'd like to encourage you to consider that if you have seen my friend up here, Jim, you have seen the Father. And if you've seen Glenn Glenecki, you have seen the Father. And if you have seen Graziella Kabula, you've seen the Father. Now these three make it real easy. They make it really easy to see God's presence. So the radical part that comes next, and this comes, comes, comes through Peter, is that if you've seen anybody, you've seen the fingerprints, and you've seen the Father. Which is to say, if you look at another human being, and you say God's not present in that person, that is a call for you to repent, not for God. Peter makes this so clear by saying the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We could say that's just about Jesus, but to our own peril. This is a pattern of life. Who do you reject? Who do you reject? The invitation this Easter season is for them to be the keystone in the house of faith that God would build. I got a picture. I want to share it with you because I found it really helpful. Um, When I was most recently in Athens, which was like four days ago, um, you know, the Acropolis is this wonderful symbol of Western civilization. And if you've ever been to Athens, you can see it from like 10 miles away. I don't know if you all know, this is the Temple of Athena, right? Up in Athens, huge. It's in something called the Acropolis, which means the city that's above the city, because it literally is. 
I don't know if you all know, but it mostly got destroyed in an earthquake. And then there was a big explosion that happened in the 1600s that kind of blew the building to pieces. So what they decided to do is put it back together. And sure enough, they're putting it back together. Uh, this is a basic picture. I'm not a professional photographer, but I want to speak to you about how they're doing it that I think is pretty fascinating. Um, obviously, the Acropolis is held up by a bunch of columns, and look, the columns are so tall, no single piece of stone is going to make one. So what they do, right, is they cut segments, and they're all fluted, and they stack them up. And what do you know? Some of the pieces they can't find because they blew up. Some of the pieces are extremely damaged, like split in half, or they've got asymmetrical cracks. You know, like, it's really hard to repair a column stack that's got a V in it. I mean, you need to fill that in. And y'all are engineers in general. That's inefficient. That takes a lot of work. It'd be a lot easier just to build a new column, right? What they decided to do is, use every single old piece because it belongs, whether it's efficient or not. So I want you to look at the color, and I'll bring this up and down the aisles even as I speak about it. What you'll see here is that the oldest pieces of the Acropolis are indeed yellowed, and then the new pieces they've carved on a white marble. And what I hope you'll see when you look at the picture is that there's some pretty clever carving going on here. They're not all cylindrical. What they've done is they've taken pieces that you would never build upon, and they filled them in. <coughs> Boy, don't you think that's what God's got in mind for us? God doesn't really care more often than not. If you've read the Bible, you'll know this. God's not all that worried about being efficient. God's not worried about doing it the easiest or fastest way. What God would really like to do is use every single stone, no matter how flawed, to knit us together into a mansion that can hold everybody else on the planet. Think how hard that is to do. Now, I'm pretty confident that one of the reasons Christianity is on decline throughout the world, particularly the Western world, is we don't do this. We don't. We say, that's too much work. That takes too much time. You're not fit for this. You don't believe the right thing. You fill in the blank. We don't do it because it's inefficient. It's hard. And what I hear is that Jesus challenges us to take the most broken of stones in our families, in ourselves, in our communities, and dress them up. And dress them so that we can build, frankly, a city on the hill. Wouldn't it be amazing if people said, oh, you go to St. Thomas? Isn't that the place where everybody is not only included in the house of faith, but is a keystone in the house of faith. Boy, I think we'd be visible from more than 10 miles away, don't you? Talk about a symbol for resurrection. 
This is a symbol for resurrection. It takes more work. I'm sure they did that with a computer and algorithm. <laughs> and I think it also takes work not only at the Thanksgiving table or when we're watching the news, but I think it takes a lot of room when we look in the mirror to say, oh, look, I've just seen the Father. Oh, look, I've seen the Father. I have to be honest with you, it isn't always easy for me. I can't always say, God, I hope that person's happy. Now, when I'm doing well, I can say, look, we disagree. Regardless of that, I hope you'll be happy. I can't even always do that. Sometimes the start is, you know, I just hope you don't suffer. <laughs> I hope your life will be free from pain. We don't, God knows we need ramps, right? God doesn't expect us to take these huge jumps. But I would like to suggest to you, Jesus is inviting us to start walking that ramp. Because after all, what he says, I'm the way of faith. And here's the truth of faith. Y'all, y'all, or in good southern communication, all y'all are a temple for the Holy Spirit. See, when you read the translation in the NIV and the NRSV, nothing wrong with them. They say, you are a temple for the Holy Spirit. And what you may not realize is, in Greek, that second person plural. Y'all are a temple for the Holy Spirit. And God can't stand to have a single one of those original bricks not make it into the building that God is constructing. It's pretty holy work to think about. Which is why I think it's probably right. I think it's probably right. And maybe, maybe what we're invited to do is re-engineer the way we think the house of faith is supposed to look. Maybe we're supposed to re-engineer whether or not we think we're worthy. See, Jesus didn't say, y'all have to earn your worthiness. Since you already have it, let's get together and be a building that contain the Holy Spirit and invite others to join into the building that God, the master designer, has in mind. This, I put to you, well, is the call of the resurrected life. It is how we walk the way together because our journey isn't over right our journey isn't over till we all get in please join me as we pray our faith in the words of the nicene creed we believe in one god the father of the Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, 
He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Holy God, creator of all lives, donor of grace and healer of life, hear our prayer. There are chasms in our lives, deep valleys that separate us from one another and from you. We confess that we allow those risks to grow for fear of admitting our part in the separation, for fear of being rejected when we reach out. You call us to a reconciled life, relationships, to a wholeness with each other and with you. Mend us, we pray, and make us new creations through the power and love of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Friends, hear this good news. The love of God is beyond measure, and you are included in that love. So know that you are forgiven, and thus freed to love and serve. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Good morning, and thank you for worshiping with us at St. Thomas today. Uh, there are a few announcements I want to call to your attention. Uh, first, it's the first Sunday of May. So if you were born this month, I would like to invite you up so that we can celebrate what we call in church, speak the feast of your nativity, and offer uh, a blessing for the year. We have any Good. Okay, as you're making your way up, our custom has been that we say our name and the day of our birth and either where or when we were born. Somebody said to me this morning, you know, that might be like a, like a, a scammer risk. So share whatever you're comfortable with, and then we'll offer God's blessing. So, uh, Hi there, I'm Bob Triple, May 18th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Beth McGill, May 7th, Brooklyn, New York. Suzanne Groneman, May 7th, Houston, Texas. Mickey Mrozinski, born in South Bend, Indiana, May the 5th, 85 years ago. Hi, Tim Kabula, May 12, 1944, East Liverpool, Ohio. Liz Corley, May 16th, in Victoria, Texas. Jim Knapp, May 2nd, Galveston. Let's ask God's blessing on all of, all of God's children. Lord God, 
We know every year, every moment of our lives is securely in your hands. Look with continued love and favor on these, your children, as they start another year. Grant that they would continue to grow in wisdom and grace, and above all, strengthen their trust in your goodness and love all the days of their lives. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. want to give you the opportunity. If you're celebrating an anniversary this month, uh, if you'd like to come and uh, celebrate your anniversary and have a blessing, and I do want to name, this happened at 8 o'clock for the first time, um, somebody was celebrating an anniversary this month, and their partner died five years ago. We believe in the communion of saints. We do. So we are very happy and honored to bless anniversaries even if somebody has departed so just want to make that available all right then <laughs> well uh, then we'll move on with a few other and oh yes sir joe you got one normally what we ask is that just that you share your names and where you were joined and when still sitting down this is my parents oh uh, Got married in Wichita in 1949. Honeymoon was to drive to uh, uh, Virginia, a uh, place in, uh, in Virginia. What were their names, Jack? Jack Edward James. My brother was Jack Edward Jr. Uh, Louise Ramage James. I was named after my father, Albert James. Well, let's have a blessing for what their anniversary has meant and how it's formed and blessed you and Adele. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of marriage whereby you show us your undying commitment and love for the world. And we pray in celebration, uh, particularly for Joe's parents and the way in which their relationship nourished and formed him. God, that as part of the communions of saints in heaven on earth, that Joe and Adele would be strengthened in their love for one another by Joe's parents, and that all of us, married and unmarried alike, would also grow in the deep love you have for your church, for the world, and for one another through the sacrament of marriage. Amen. Amen. Okay, I want to catch you up. A few lovely things happened this week. So uh, Kathy was so kind to share with us. Uh, some intricacies of the coronation, which is a really, really lovely thing. And if you were here, um, boy, I learned quite a bit. And there was also so much just thoughtfulness and spirituality to the coronation that I didn't always recognize. So thank you for that gift, Kathy. And the hospitality of the parish on Thursday night was amazing. If you missed it, it's on YouTube, on our channel. And you can watch it as many times as you like or share it. Uh, and it truly was a, it was a lovely weekend to see. So thanks, Kathy, for helping us start the weekend off.
There's also, uh, yesterday we had, um, I think the second highest attendance at a food distribution. So 99 cars, 411 people. And uh, if you've been to one of these things, you can watch the car like get closer and closer to the tires because people drive away, yesterday it was like 20 pounds of carrots, 15 pounds of cabbage, 10 pounds of cucumbers, six loaves of bread, three gallons of milk. Um, <coughs> Potatoes, boy, we got dirty with those potatoes. I mean, it's, it's really incredible to see this ministry, and as I've mentioned to you before, a third of the people who do this live in Nassau Bay. And they don't all live in apartments. So this is viable, beautiful ministry. And Glenn and Liz went to a, uh, a celebration for all the partners of the Galveston Food Bank last week. And what do you know? We got an award. So uh, St. Thomas was one of about seven people. There's like more than 50 people that partner with them. But we got a Service Excellence Award, which I am really proud of because I'm proud of the ways in which you serve and in which, frankly, you invite people who may not even be interested in church to join the risen Lord in offering food to people who are hungry. Thank you for this viable ministry to the community, and I'm glad they recognized it because I've been recognizing it for three years. So it's nice that other people know the good work that you're doing. A uh, couple other things I just want to name for you is that um, as we come up to summer, we're getting ready to start a couple of different studies. So one of them will start in the middle of June on Wednesday mornings. We're going to read a book by Henri Nouwen called The Wounded Healer. It's a spiritual classic. It's one of the things you might read if you got one of the first books you might read if you took a pastoral care class either in seminary or if you took it as an undergrad. It's a short book. There's a lot of thought about what it means to minister out of our own woundedness. So I commend the book to you. It's really fantastic. We'll start that in June. I check your e-news for that. Um, we're also going to start a series at, in June called The Artist's Way. We'll be reading that throughout the summer. Uh, the premise of the book is that creativity is a spiritual discipline. Isn't that a lovely thought? Not just painting, not just photography. Creativity, period, is a spiritual discipline and in a way to grow our awareness of God and our self-expression, which God has designed. So uh, I hope you'll take some time uh, to join us for The Artist's Way. Again, you'll find information in the e-news and on the paper out there. There's one other thing that showed up uh, this week that is really, really kind of neat. We're a member of what's called the Clear Lake Interfaith Council. So these are churches, mosques, synagogues, temples throughout our area that get together and say, how do we effectively do some ministry together? How do we honor and learn about one another's traditions? And how do we serve the community hand in hand, not despite our faith differences, but because of them? And they put together this really, I think, thoughtful offer. You know, we have foyers groups here. Four years is a potluck you do four times a year to help connect you with other people in the congregation. They're putting together an interfaith four years. So if you're interested, you would get paired with another individual or couple from a different faith tradition to have a few meals with. And then at the end, there would be sort of a celebratory potluck together. It's a way, frankly, of helping us make real relationships with people we know are different from us, right? It's an easy way to get to know somebody who you know is different from you. So if that appeals to you, you can email me. You'll find that in the e-news. Uh, 
But I think it's a lovely, lovely offering. Continue to walk in love. As Christ first loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
All things come of you, O Lord. And of thy own have we given thee. This is the table, not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time or ever before. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Not because the church invites you, it is Christ. And he invites you to meet him here. Our service continues on page 372 of your red prayer book. Page 372. Just as a reminder, as you're turning there, there are six Eucharistic prayers in the prayer book. This is the oldest one uh, penned by Hippolytus. In it, the, uh, the intercessions are done as part of the prayer. So we do this during Easter, and we do this during the 12 days of Christmas, and the intercessor happens during the Eucharistic prayer. When we get to Pentecost, we'll go back to write one and write two, but we're uh, prayer B through Easter. The Lord be with you. formed us in your own image, giving the whole world into our stewardship. 
so that in obedience to you, our Creator, we might shepherd and serve all your creatures. When our disobedience took us far from you, you did not and do not abandon us to the power of death. In your mercy, you came and come to our help so that in seeking you, we might find you. Again and again, you called us into covenant with you, and through the prophets, you taught us to hope for salvation. Father, you love the world so much that in the fullness of time, you sent your only Son to be our Savior. Incarnate by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he lived as one of us, yet without sin. To the poor, he proclaimed the good news of salvation, to prisoners' freedom, to the sorrowful joy. To fulfill your purpose, he gave himself up to death, and rising from the grave, destroyed death, and made the whole creation new. And that we might live no longer for ourselves, but for the one who died and rose for us, God sent the Holy Spirit, God's own first gift for those who believe to complete Jesus' work in the world and bring to fulfillment the sanctification of all. When the hour had come for him to be glorified by you, his heavenly Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. At supper with them he took bread, and when he gave thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, all that I am, which is given to build you up. Remember me every time you eat bread. After supper, Jesus took the cup of wine. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood, my life force, given to nourish your own. Whenever you drink wine, remember me. Father, we now break this memorial of our redemption, recalling Christ's death and his descent among the dead, proclaiming his resurrection and ascension to your right hand, awaiting his coming in glory and offering to you from the gifts you've given us this bread and this cup. We praise you and we bless you. We praise you, we bless you, we give thanks to you, and we praise you, Lord our God. Lord, we pray that in your goodness and mercy, your Holy Spirit may descend upon us and upon these gifts sanctifying them and showing them to be holy gifts for your holy people, the bread of life and the cup of salvation, the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that all who share this bread and this cup may become one body, one temple, one spirit, a living sacrifice in Christ to the praise of your name. Remember, Lord, your one holy Catholic and apostolic church, redeemed by the love of your Christ. Reveal its unity, guard its faith, Preserve it in peace. Remember Andy, Hector, Kay, and Jeff, our bishops, Michael, our presiding bishop, Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and all who minister in your church. Mentor and guide elected and appointed officials in our world that they might pursue justice with compassion, especially King Charles, and in this city, Sarah, Paula, and Chase. Remember all your people, and those who seek your truth. The congregation is invited to name their celebrations or petitions silently or aloud. Remember all who have died in the peace of Christ, and those whose faith is known to you alone. Bring them into the place of eternal joy and light, and grant that we might find our inheritance with Thomas, the Blessed Virgin Mary, with matriarchs, patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and martyrs, 
with the communion of saints who have found favor with you in ages past. We praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, all honor and glory are yours, almighty God and Father. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, forever and ever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Let's pray together. God of creation, we give you thanks for nourishment of our souls and bodies, both as individuals and as a community of faith. Leverage the holy energy you have given us and mystical union you hold for your church, that we might join you in nourishing our world, individuals and communities, and embody new life on even the darkest of days with the radiance of your glory. Amen. Keep your eyes wide open, your hands willing, your hearts generous, your ears attentive, your senses awake, your feet light, your hope alive, and your faith alight. Go and shine wherever you may be. Go and embrace with tenderness all of life with its sorrows and joys. Go and know what divinity expects and what your sisters and brothers seek. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you this day and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. to love and serve the risen Lord.
Ben, that was fantastic. Yeah, it's like being in Carnegie Hall. You did it. I think I, I think I managed to. It was stunning.